Good. Well, uh, if, you ha- if you've forgotten, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so uh, through all of the social distancing guidelines and uh, all that you know, these times require, I hope that you felt welcomed and invited tonight. Um, and, uh, and I hope that you came with an open heart uh, because you have been prayed and prepared and disinfected for. And so we are glad that you're here. And uh, we're glad to be back and start phasing you know, back into a normal routine of Tuesday nights, and so it is uh, good to be here. So if you would, pray with me, and then we're going to jump into the message for tonight. God, I thank you so much for this time together, uh, God, that is uh, long overdue. It's so good to be back together, and so, God, I pray that uh, you would speak to us tonight. God, we thank you for the great time of worship that we had, and so, God, as we continue that, God, I pray that you'd speak to us from your word. God, I thank you that the, the grass withers and the flower fades, but your word remains forever, and so, God, we pray that you'd speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. Awesome. Well, we can go ahead and allow this pandemic, right, to join the ranks of persecution and war and recession and mental illness and sin as all things that have tried to keep the church down and have failed, right? The church is truly pandemic proof. And, you know, just when you think the church is is dead and buried, it always comes back. It sounds a lot like Jesus, right? When the enemy thought that Jesus was dead and buried and taken care of, he resurrected again. And uh, because we serve a resurrected Savior, we can know that, that he will resurrect his people and build his church. And uh, according to him, even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that we can be sure of. Amen? Right? He has done it for all of time. Right before coronavirus hit the, the U.S., I was reading this, this uh, book called In the Year of Our Lord. And it uh, basically could have been renamed Church History for Dummies, okay? And that's what I need in my life. And so basically it was like this like little snapshot of church history ever since uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, it was really interesting. And so when Corona hit uh, the U.S., it was kind of like that was my backdrop. And so I had just read all about like all the things the church had dealt with over the last 2,000 years. And because of that, it was like, okay, I could be, you know, fairly confident, right, that Christ will bring us through this because the church has faced a lot of terrible things throughout the last 2,000 years since Jesus ascended. And so, um, and so uh, it was a really cool, like, opportunity to, it was, it was good timing for me to have read that. And so before I get into uh, what I want to say tonight to kind of get this going, uh, I want to make clear that I might be wrong in what I'm about to say. All right, might be wrong what I'm about to say. Hopefully that's okay with you guys. Uh, we haven't gotten into our scripture yet, and so if you disagree, totally cool, right? You're disagreeing with me, not with God. So we're good. Um, but over the last year or so, I've noticed a trend uh, among people our age. That when it comes to our faith, okay, so when you think faith, think of that as like this big umbrella, right? Like you can include your relationship with God, uh, your, your church attendance, maybe your time in scripture, like all these different things kind of fit under that umbrella of faith. And so when it comes to our faith, we are either all in or all out, okay? 100% on board or not on board at all. And in my opinion, I think it's because of the, the ever-increasing uh, expendability of, of, of our world, right? We have so many other options to choose from and other things to do that if we don't want to do something or if we don't have to do something, then we just don't do it, right? And faith falls right in line most of the time with that, right? If we see the value of following Jesus, we're in. But if we don't see the value, then we're out. And so what does that have to do with anything? With anything? Well, because of this all in or all out mentality, I believe that as time goes on, churches are going to get smaller. I think they're going to get healthier, but I think they're going to get smaller. 
and there's going to be less people, but all of them will be dedicated, right, compared to how it is now where you have, you know, how it's been where there might be a lot of people, but only a percentage are all in, only a percentage are dedicated. And I believe that it's possible that the coronavirus has sped up that process, this process of the Lord sifting lukewarm Christianity out of his church. Because here's the thing, you know, you get into rhythms and routines of, of a certain way of life, right? And, and when, when that way of life changes, new rhythms and new routines are created and get established. And so if you were somebody who wasn't serious about attending church or was lukewarm in your faith before COVID, right? And now all of a sudden during the quarantine, you felt no pressure to come to church. Like there's no, you don't have to, there's no reason to. Well, what is going to bring you back to church when you can, right? If you got to, you kind of just got used to living your life without it. And so the remnants of faith that maybe a lukewarm Christian had before COVID could possibly be just non-existent now. And so since the dawn of time, right, there's been this line drawn in the sand, a line between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of self. And when Jesus came to earth, he highlighted that, that line even more and made it, you know, clear for all of us, right? You can read through the Gospels, and you can see, he says, you're either with me or against me. You pick up your cross. You die to yourself. You leave your father and mother. You let the dead bury their own dead. You follow me. There has always been a line drawn in the sand. But in times of crisis, that line in the sand becomes magnified, right? It becomes more apparent than before, and I believe we are living in such a time. And I don't say that to scare you, but to instead open your eyes, right, to give you a chance to make that decision of which side you're going to be on, the side of Christ or the side of self. There is a border between the two kingdoms, and we do not get dual citizenship. And I think as Christians in 2020, it's time that we start to make up our mind once and for all which kingdom we're going to belong to and act accordingly. Because when we come up above the surface of this pandemic, right, we might just find church looking a lot different but Christians might start acting a lot more like Christ. Will you be one of them? And so like I said, feel free to disagree with my thoughts on where the church is headed. But as we'll see as we get into our scripture for tonight, that this line in the sand is real. And Jesus makes that clear for us. And so with that said, if you have your Bibles tonight, we can turn to John 18 uh, to see our verses for tonight. Or if you have your, your phone or whatever you want to use. So, uh, in context to John 18, as you're turning there, this is when Jesus is arrested and uh, put on trial before Pilate. And Pilate was a, uh, a governor of, of Rome at the time. And in these verses, we see Jesus make this distinction, the, this, this line in the sand. And so um, this, let's read. This is the first, um, this is 1833 to 35, the first verses we'll read tonight. This will kind of set the stage for us. So verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this, is of, this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And so Pilate asked him, Hey, are you the, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replies with a question of his own. And he says, Well, Pilate, did you think to ask that, or did others say it about me and kind of give you that idea? And Pilate is kind of seemingly confused about the whole thing, and he says, hey, don't look at me, right? Don't look at me. I, you must have done something to be put on trial. After all, it was your own people that turned you in. All right, so let's see how Jesus responds. This is the first half of verse 36. 
We'll call it 36A. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. And I want to start there with that sentence and kind of dissect his words a little bit and kind of see the weight that they should hold in our life. And if you've been around church, you've probably heard, you know, heard this sentence a million times, right? You know, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. It's not of this world. I feel like we'd be mistaken tonight if we just let those words roll past just because they're familiar to us. Okay, so Jesus makes a clear distinction here by saying, my kingdom, not a kingdom or a kingdom that he serves or a kingdom that he represents, but his kingdom, right? So Jesus says, my kingdom, the kingdom that belongs to me. And so by saying this, it communicated that he indeed had a kingdom and it was set apart from all the rest. And also for him to use the word kingdom would have been pretty striking to a Roman political official like Pilate, who was an important part of another kingdom, an earthly one at that. And in the Greek, the word used for kingdom, it didn't even necessarily mean a physical kingdom, but instead it communicated Jesus' right to rule over a kingdom. And so in other words, the word kingdom was like a concoction of power and royal blood and dominion and authority. And so he says, my kingdom is not of this world. My authority, my right to rule, my dominion, and my royal blood are not from this world. Jesus made it clear that he was a king. And his power and his ability and his authority was appointed by somewhere other than earth. It was given by someone beyond the imagination and the comprehension of Pilate and the rest of the crowd that was listening. Now that is a line in the sand. And he doesn't end there. Let's keep reading. Second half of verse 36. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. And so Jesus says, listen, if, it, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting that I, that I might be delivered. So again, Jesus makes this clear distinction. He says, if if his kingdom were of the world, then he would have needed worldly assistance, right? He, he would need his servants to bail him out, right, to, to fight for his freedom, to overthrow the government and get him free. But they knew that Jesus, his, you know, his, his followers, his disciples, they knew that Jesus was part of a kingdom that transcended all of the other ones on earth, that transcended the one that they were subjected to on earth, the, the, the Roman kingdom. And they trusted in this higher purpose that Jesus had come to fulfill. And so they didn't respond with retaliation, right? We know Peter tried to. He cut off the ear of the Roman guard, and Jesus rebuked him for it. And so we can see here that a mission that, that Jesus was on, a mission appointed by the kingdom of heaven, is not accomplished by using worldly tactics, right? And so we see that when he says, man, if my kingdom was of the world, all these guys would be fighting for me. But they know that it's not about fighting for me because I'm not serving you. I'm from heaven. My kingdom's not of this world. And so for us personally, if we are fighting for our earthly kingdom, right, if we are fighting for the kingdom of self, if we are fighting for our own desires and our own ways, man, we would be scratching and clawing for freedom too. We'd be scratching and clawing for what we thought was best for us. But if we are part of a heavenly kingdom, then our hope takes on new meaning. Right? We, we hope and trust in, in that which is above all else. You know, think of the power that this has in your life right now. You know, as, we, you, know, as you are navigating a, a pandemic-stricken world and, and a country that is at a, at a racial turning point, right, what better time to have your mind made up for Christ? 
Right? What, what better time to, to, to take a look at that line in the sand and choose the winning side? All right, well, what better time to stop jumping back and forth, trying to make up your mind, and finally go all in for the kingdom of God? What better time than right now? The world needs legitimate, Bible-believing, self-denying, God-glorifying, neighbor-loving Christians like never before in our lifetime. Are you going to be one? Or will you continue to ride the fence? Or will you continue to advance the kingdom of yourself? And think of the power this has in your everyday life, right? Not just life during a crisis, but life every day, right? As you make decisions, as you have interactions with others, as you spend time with God, you can see all of those things as an advancement of something not of this world that pushes, you know, toward a heaven, pushes forward a heavenly agenda and not our own. You know, when we align ourselves with, with God's kingdom, we can have a hope and a trust that, that this fighting and scratching and clawing effort for a worldly kingdom could never bring. And after all, you know, if we do pursue our earthly kingdom, fighting and scratching and clawing to get our way is the only thing we're going to end up doing. And we see Jesus say it another time in Scripture. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, when we are overly worried, he, he says this in the middle of teaching on provision. God's ability to take, to take care of you and provide for your needs. And so when we are overly worried and concerned about earthly things, it's likely a result of seeking to advance our own kingdom. And it's always an empty pursuit. No amount of anything is ever enough to give us the security or the answers that we desire. And that's why Jesus, he pinpoints the guarantee of seeking his kingdom over our own. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and you will get it. It will be yours. There's no scratching and clawing in the kingdom of God. There's no lack of contentment in the kingdom of God. There's no need to worry if it's enough. If we seek the kingdom of God, we will find it. If the kingdom of God, of God delivers when all else fails, why, why wouldn't we advance the kingdom of God over our own? I've, uh, I've used this illustration before, but uh, I feel like it's, it's fitting. So Emily and I, uh, we bought our house about four years ago, and before that we had spent uh, the first year of our marriage in a house that we rented in Goose Creek. And we, when we bought our house, we were, uh, you know, in the process of moving out. And Cody and Sam were actually the ones that moved into the rental house that we were leaving. And so there was actually like this, this uh, I mean, it, it was essentially like the same weekend, almost, if I remember correctly, like they were moving stuff in, we were moving stuff out like at the same time. And wouldn't it be, wouldn't it have been weird, like since that was my old house, like, for once we had moved out, if I just, like, showed up one day and knocked on the door, and they opened it, and I said, hey, like, uh, you guys got, any, got anything good in the fridge that I could come? Like, I used to keep a lot of good stuff in there. I would love to see, like, if you got any snacks. I was in the, I was in the area. I was hungry, so I thought I'd come check it out. What are you guys watching on TV? Could I come, like, hang out on the couch for a little while? Just like the good old days, right? Can I come do that? No. Why? That's weird. It's strange. If they didn't know me, they'd probably call the police, right? You don't go knocking on your old house asking to come in and hang out. Why do we treat our faith that way, right? We don't live there anymore, right? We cannot keep jumping back and forth from our old self, old ways, back to our new self and our new ways. We need to make up our mind. We don't get dual citizenship. As Christians, we cannot jump back and forth between our old self and our new self. We don't live there anymore. It's one or the other. And so for the sake of the cause of Christ, let's make up our minds. 
Let's not be Christians that are lukewarm, Christians that ride the fence, but instead ones that are committed wholeheartedly, 100% to the kingdom of God. And I'm thankful, and I'm sure you are too, that we don't serve a half-committed Savior, right, who half-heartedly came to earth, lived halfway perfectly, reluctantly died for us, halfway rose again, halfway saved us. Right, to think that every moment of God's salvation plan, from creation to virgin birth to his return, is sustained by him giving his all. And now for us who know we are sinners, right, prone to mistakes and broken and, and, and failures and weakness, he didn't see us in our sin and then ask us to make a move towards him. He, he didn't stay in heaven and just reach over into earth to save us. No, he, he came fully in the flesh, lived among the brokenness. The hope of all mankind walking around on two legs among the sinners he came to save. And he established a kingdom that was not of this world. And one that would only be established by a power not of this world. That would save us with a grace that is not of this world. So that everyone who put their faith in him would have eternal life and have a relationship with him. And if we've done that, then we have been enlisted into the cause of Christ to advance his kingdom on earth. And that requires more than a halfway commitment. It requires all of us, 100%. And the world needs you. And so are you in? That's the question I have for you tonight. Like I said, the world needs Christians that are committed like never before in our lifetime. Are you going to be one? If you would, pray with me. God, I thank you so much for tonight again. I thank you, God, for this, this story of Jesus making it so clear that my kingdom is not of this world. God, your, your kingdom is not of this world. Your authority, your right to rule, your dominion, God, is not of this world. And so, God, we want to live for that kingdom. We don't want to continue to ride the fence or only half-heartedly follow you. But God, we want to be 100% committed. And God, there, this world is, is in dire need of Christians that are committed. And so God, I thank you for every soul that's in this room tonight. I thank you, God, that they came back to a body of believers after being away for four months. God, that shows an amazing uh, faith in you. God, that they've stayed committed. And God, I for anyone in this place tonight, God, that is still finding themselves not committed, they're trying to figure out, man, which side am I going to be on? I find myself jumping back and forth. God, I pray that that person would make the decision tonight to live for your kingdom and your kingdom alone and not go knocking on the door of their old self, but instead live for the kingdom of God and be 100% all in. And we thank you, God, that you are a savior that went all in. And our salvation is secured because of that. And we are eternally grateful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, hey, it's good to be back, right? It's good to be here. Um, well, I hope you guys had a good time tonight. Um, and so essentially what this is going to look like going forward is uh, we all kind of just figure out a, a new normal. Uh, we want to have the uh, safest uh, environment for you uh, that we can and uh, the safest um, uh, 
you know, I mean, we're eating food together. We debated on that for a while. We want to make this as safe as, as we can for you guys. And so um, what we're going to do is kind of do this in phases. Uh, if you come to Northwood on Sundays, you've kind of seen this in a way as well already. Uh, but essentially how this is going to look for young adults is we had service tonight. Um, and we're actually going to have another service uh, in person, not until July 14th. Um, and so we'll go once a month um, until August. And uh, beginning of August is when we are hopefully going to relaunch weekly services again, uh, just to kind of get a feel for how all this is going to work and what it's going to look like. Uh, because, I mean, we're all in the same boat. Like, we're all trying to figure out, you know, at work or school, wherever you find yourself, what it looks like. And so church is going to be no different. Um, and so, uh, but in the middle of that, so we're actually... We do have, like I said, a service in, uh, tonight, service in July. We're going to have a, a, a cookout in a couple of weeks here at the church uh, just to kind of like let us come together and hang out. Um, and so that's going to be on Saturday, June 27th. Um, and we'll be like putting that stuff out on social media and stuff. But just like, hey, any excuse to get together is awesome, uh, especially because we've been, you know, cooped up for four months and people are starting to venture back out. And so we want to uh, hang out with you guys. And so we're going to have a cookout on uh uh, June 27th is a Saturday here at the church. Uh, we're going to have a cornhole tournament. So go ahead and start practicing. Uh, and the winner gets AirPods. Okay, so that's pretty legit. Everyone's ears just perked up. Whoa, something that, somebody can get, it, get out of this? Sick. Um, so anyway, <laughs> so uh, anyway, so AirPod giveaway on uh, Saturday, June 27th. Cookout, we're going to hang out. It's going to be awesome. Start practicing cornhole, and uh, you might just win. There's actually, Tyler said tonight, he's never lost a game of cornhole. Um, so here we go. We're going to put your money where your mouth is, all right, uh, on Saturday, June 27th. Okay, good deal. Last couple things. If this is your first time tonight, you can go to northwoodya.com for a connect card. Uh, if you do that, we've got a gift for you. Uh, also, tithe and offering is there as well. Uh, just in case you guys forgot, well, for, I got a couple things to say about that really quick. Sorry. Y'all hadn't heard me for four months, all right? I'm sorry. Y'all are lucky that I kept it to 15 minutes tonight. That was pretty impressive. Sorry. Um, yeah, you're welcome, all right? I know you don't want to be here all night. Um, I actually had a message on <laughs> Sunday night that I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to speak about on Tuesday. And I ran through it and threw it in the trash because it was terrible. Um, so uh, hopefully this one was a little better than that one. Um, so anyway, I totally forgot what I was saying. Um, silent offering. Yes, good thing. Okay, so you guys have been uh, in- incredibly faithful uh, givers uh, over the course of uh, this, you know, pandemic and, and everything that that is um, involved. And so I want to thank you for that. Uh, one thing that I wanted to shout out in one of the videos, and it kept slipping my mind, but uh, we actually got to use uh, some of the uh, young adults' budget, and we got to go buy a bunch of Chick-fil-A sandwiches and take them down to some of the healthcare workers uh, at one of the MUSC spots in West Ashley, which is really cool. And that's only possible because you guys give. Um, And so uh, just as a reminder, Young Adults is completely self-sufficient. We get no money from Northwood Church as a whole, okay? This runs because of you guys sacrificing your tithe and your offering. And so I just want to remind you of that. You can go to northwoodya.com for a link to give. Uh, We hit the summer plan, so see you guys on June 27th, right? for the cookout, and if not, then July 14th for our next service. We love you guys. Go change your world.